Welcome, Bird Gang. We don't do guests often, but on today's show, we've got Rolando Cantu joining us, the former Cardinals lineman and part of the team's Spanish broadcast. He's got a new project we wanted to share with everyone. Plus, if you're wondering if Bernhard Sykovitz, the tight end out of Austria, has a chance, Rolando is proof the NFL's International Player Pathway Program works. Also, we have proof Kyler Murray is working out. But first, is Steve Kahn listening to what we say here? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 425, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Got a lot of feedback from our last show, MJ. Always appreciate hearing from the Bird Gang, especially if you disagree with what either one of us have to say, because MJ, all feedback is good feedback, correct? Correct. And the idea sometimes is to give different thoughts. So maybe something that you didn't think about initially, but you know, 50-50 it was. Uh, Definitely they enjoyed the show. Yes, that is always key. We appreciate that very, very much. Now, no need to revisit the Zabin Collins, Jordan Hicks topics. I made my feelings very clear. I was taken aback, though. We finished that show, and then I watched the trailer to the upcoming Flight Plan episode. It's episode two, titled First Class. It drops May 24th at 7 p.m., and this trailer starts with a scene just outside the draft room. Then you go inside the draft room, and you hear the commissioner announce the pick of Zavin Collins, and GM Steve Kime is sitting in the room telling someone, maybe it's Kingsbury or someone or a scout, quote, told Billy and Vance, starter day one. He's referring to Bill Davis and Vance Joseph. And the response from those two, starter day one. You got it. Big, fast, and smart. And then Kime looks directly at the camera Quote, put that on camera, guys, and points. MJ, I felt like he was pointing to me. This happened in late April. We're talking mid-May, and it was known in April once Collins was drafted. Yes, starter day one, that's our plan. It's just it, Literally, it was very eerie because he's got these eyes, and you could tell he was smiling, but this the, the index finger pointing directly into the camera and – I felt like it was a direct shot at me, indirectly, of course. And let me be a little foreshadowing, thinking of what uh, might be said maybe down the road. Well, I wish I would have known that uh, before I asked that question. Is he a hybrid player? Because I went back and looked at the transcript. He came out with his opening statement and said he's a Mike linebacker. And then I followed up because there was a lot of people, you know, is this Dale Buchanan all over again? Or, you know, uh, I guess you look at his son, Reddick, and he made it very clear and then I think he must have told one of the defensive backs coaches, or maybe Vance, I'm moving up to get your corner. Yeah, we also saw in that teaser that one, yeah, you mentioned that the draft pick, and I'm guessing that was referring to Marco Wilson. He was the first pick or the first corner taken on draft day. And then we get linebackers coach Bill Davis breaking down some Collins film and cornerbacks coach Greg Williams mic'd up as well and there was also a little clip of rondell moore so it's a heavy episode on as the title suggests first class talking about this year's draft class and when it came to um you know xavian collins i thought billy uh, davis who's obviously the linebackers coach 
Charlie Bolin is the outside linebackers coach. He, he actually used the word throwback player. He broke down some film. And he said, this guy's got a lot of throwback to him. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure after the draft, a lot of GMs go back and they watch the, their draft picks and they don't have to put grades on them. And then you continue to watch how, you know, maybe there's something you can work on. Um, but I think they're excited that, you know, the whole offseason right now is going according to plan. Um, we'll see what happens over the next couple of months. Looks like we're going to have a training camp. Hopefully we get some fans in there and then three preseason games. So um, these guys are much ahead of the curve than they were a year ago at this time. Oh, I don't think there's any question. Just having three days of rookie minicamp and just anything that these players can get, whatever physical reps, not the mental reps via Zoom or in your playbook, but the physical reps on the field, I think is certainly going to help. The young players and even some of the returning young players, but this year's draft class, I think, is going to be night and day ahead of last year's draft class. And that's not talking about the talent. It's just the unfortunate position Isaiah Simmons and others were put in because we did hear from Collins. He was asked, hey, you know what? Think back a year ago. Put yourself in those players' position where you don't have an offseason and you're trying to learn virtually and be ready week one. He's like, uh-uh, no, that's impossible. You can't do that. It's hard to do. And I think we saw that, especially week one when Simmons got burned against the 49ers. And obviously, knowing that there's going to be somewhat of an offseason, even if it is a little bit, the Cardinals are very confident that Zayvon Collins can handle that Mike linebacker. And they made it very clear when they made the pick, and uh, he, he notified uh, probably Vance and some other guys that he's going to start from day one. I think they made that very clear. He's going to be the Mike linebacker. And listen, I always thought Isaiah Simmons, give him a full offseason, give him three preseason games, he'll be a three-down backer next year. I mean, he shows he showed some upside. Uh, you know, maybe he showed some flashes. He did have that interception, which is a really good win for the Cardinals. He also had a sack on Russell Wilson, so... Um, but they obviously need more. But I, I do think, you know, give him three preseason games and, and I think he'll be up to speed because he missed a ton of time last year and kind of there. They, they wanted to slow play him, but then, you know, you, have, you got to look at it. We got to move him around a little bit with, with injuries, especially with uh, the Thompson twins. So, yeah, all these guys need it, at least guys that haven't been in the league three or four years. You bring up the preseason, and I think it's kind of just assumed, you know, three preseason games. Well, I don't think we've actually discussed the preseason yet. The opponents, the Cowboys and Chiefs, those two games at home. The third preseason game, which typically is where it's a dress rehearsal, but there's only three, so I don't know how coaches are going to handle that third preseason game, although you do have a week off between the preseason and the start of the regular season. But it's at the Saints. No Broncos, no Raiders. It's going to be a little different opponent schedule for the Cardinals. And again, I think everyone is knows what preseason is all about. But after not having any of those preseason games, I think there'll be more attention paid to this year's preseason. Well, let's go back a couple of years ago when Kyler Murray was drafted. I mean, Kingsbury was trying to hide the offense, and, he, and they both admitted they probably should have played a lot more. Now, going into year three, I mean, the biggest thing is you got to avoid injuries, but you, you know, you got to find out who you're top 14, 15 guys are on offense and top 14 and 15 guys on defense because we know they're going to rotate some of these receivers, running backs and wide receivers. But, uh, yeah, I, I expect the starters to play a little bit. Um, they also want to find out who your backups are, who's the fourth, fifth receiver, who's your fourth, fifth corner, who's your fourth, fifth safety, um, who's your backup right guard. So 
I do think it's going to be valuable that some of the young guys, but also some guys that are fighting for jobs, they're going to have to show it against another opponent. So to put a bow on this, do I need to be wary and alert to keep my head on a swivel as Ron Wolfley likes to see, say when uh, when the general manager is walking around the facility, you think he and I are good? I mean, it just, it literally felt like he was talking directly to me and I, you know, I, I don't want to upset anyone. I but just, it was like, you know. a, it was like a time capsule. <laughs> You know what? That's that's a perfect example. Yeah, it's like, or or you know, Back to the Future, you know, yeah. Cardinal style, where he you know goes you know six months down the road and figures out what everyone is saying, and then goes back. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was odd, but I am looking forward to it again. Episode two, flight plan, May twenty fourth, seven p.m. And you can watch all episodes on the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash az cardinals as we continue here on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals day two we've heard from kingsbury talk about day one day two those draft picks talking about zavin collins and rondell moore need to play need to play a lot need to play early and often now we know collins is going to start the question is can we expect that from rondell moore i don't know but I did like what Kingsbury had to say on Friday after day one of the rookie minicamp about more quote, we have to be creative and how we use him and make sure we're maximizing who he is as a player End quote. We know what he did at Purdue, especially that year in 2018. He is very dynamic, whether that's as a return man, wide receiver, or perhaps a receiver out of the backfield. Yeah, I, I asked that question to Cliff. I said, you know, how valuable is it for him to, you know, really uh, hone down the special teams where he'll be, be comfortable as a wide receiver? And again, I think we're going to see him in the backfield. I think you're going to see him in motion. You're going to see some jet sweeps. You're going to see some uh, quick uh, slant passes. I mean, you're, they're going to move him around. I mean, because you got to defend the entire uh, blade of grass. So, yeah, I, and, and, and again, I think Sean Jefferson is probably the perfect guy to bring in here, a former uh, wide receiver, obviously coached a long time. He's got a son that plays for the Rams. Um, so I, I think, you know, when you look at it, they're going to need some production, and we'll see what happens with guys like Keyshawn Johnson, A.J. Richardson, JoJo Ward, Andy Isabella. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I really think the return game is going to benefit from the Rondell Moore pick. And I think that is where he can make an immediate impact. Yep. Then you just kind of figure out within the offense, you know, are you starting with four wide receivers, three wide receivers? Is he in the slot? Is he in the outside? I think he is that one guy that you might see several different positions on the field outside of, you know, putting his hand in the dirt and looking to block. But I do think we're going to have to pay attention to where number 85 lines up offensively. Well, I, I recently did a, a debate this with Kyle, and you know, Kyle's that an, our analytics guy, and he thinks they're going to go more four wide. And I said, well, eleven personnel they ran uh, the most last year, and then twelve personnel. Now, I have no problem. You know how I feel if you need a field goal or you got to change field positions, go four and five wide. We know this team is is more effective when they don't huddle, even though. Um, you know, they're they're still taking time off the clock to give their defense a rest if they've been on the field, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it, but I think we learned the hard way in that first month of the season. You got to protect the edges. Kyla, Kyla cannot run out these defensive linemen or linebackers because of the angles they take. Now he's been a lot smarter, and I just hope that he can learn to throw on the run, which to me should be natural. I mean, you see Josh Allen do his from baseball background, Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and then you know. 
um, I, I know he can do it. It's just sometimes he has to slow down a little bit. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still think they're going to try to run the ball, be physical, and then take some shots down the field. And I think more, possibly Christian Kirk, and even moving Hopkins around will go a long way. Speaking of our colleague Kyle Littergaard, a fantastic article on azcardinals.com about Rondell Moore and his work ethic. Kyler spoke with Moore's trainer. Great antidote. Did not hear his name called on day one. Was upset. So what did Moore do? He went to the gym, MJ, at 1 a.m., worked out until 4 a.m., came home, took a nap, heard his name called, and then was back at the gym working out. You certainly love his work ethic. I think he's got a quiet confidence about him, and he's going to be one of those players that you're going to have to kind of get to know before he really opens up because Kingsbury mentioned it. He's all about the playbook. He's all about reps. He's all about listening and learning from his coaches. I mean, you talk about 100% football. It certainly sounds like it. And then the article that Kyle wrote, again, I invite everyone to go to azcardinals.com because you talk about someone who is – one, understands his limitations or what is said about his limitations, 5'7", 181, and makes sure that that is not a limitation. He does whatever he can to make sure that that is not something that hinders his progress or his ability to make a mark in the NFL. And his versatility. Well, we know what Moore has been able to do as far as the measurables are concerned. He runs a 4'340" jumps 42 and a half inches and the big thing squatting 600 pounds that video then went viral and i know exactly why because we had a chance to see him up close on friday during that 20 25 minutes his legs mj his calves i mean you talk about yes he's small in stature he does not look small at all even compared to his fellow wide receivers some that are listed at 5'9", 5'10". He is built in such a way that he doesn't look small. No, and I thought this first thing we, we would um, – usually I thought, okay, how small is he? I mean, I, I was talking to somebody that was watching practice. They, I, they said he's small. I said he's got a l- thick lower torso, though, his calves and his thighs, and, you know, that's where he gets that speed from. So, you know, like I said, I, I, I like the couple corners they drafted. Um, we haven't really talked about the safety as much. Um, defensive lineman, I think he looked the part. He looked good in number 92. But all the focus is going to be on the first two picks, and then we'll see what happens throughout the course of the year. Yeah, and I think that is where everyone's focus typically is, especially day one. But you want to see some production out of those guys, especially early in the season. And the question is, it's not just on special teams. We know Collins defensively and can more make his way, work his way into that offense somehow, even if it's just a couple of different snaps. But to give that defense, MJ, a different look, maybe some more motion, more sweeps, just a little bit more creativity. I know Kingsbury has it in him. Maybe he just didn't have the personnel to do it the first two seasons or at times during the course of the year just because of injuries. Well, and then you throw in, you know, Andy Isabel, the lack of development for him. And then Christian Kirk, you know, he was, he's had some injuries, um, went healthy. He can give you five, six, seven touchdowns. And, and then, you, you know, you had, you know, Trent Sherfield was really regulated to special teams. So, yeah, there, were, there was a huge drop off and they definitely thought they missed fits. Not that he gets separation, but, you know, I was talking to somebody recently that was on the sidelines. Uh, and Andy Isabella was the culprit when it came to some of that route running when there were two guys to, next to each other, and, and they couldn't tolerate that. And that's why, you know, he was on the sidelines a lot. So that's more between the ears. And, you know, when he's got the speed, 
Um, but there's more about playing football. You got to play above the shoulders sometimes. We've got Rolando Cantu waiting in the wings. But uh, before that, Bergang, let me let you know that if you are interested or one, you enjoy what you hear on Cardinals Cover 2, we invite you to subscribe to all Arizona Cardinals podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Just go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Well, speaking of Cardinals podcasts, we'd like to welcome a new addition to our podcast family. It stars the one and only Rolando Cantu and his broadcast colleague, Luis Hernandez. I'm not going to bother with trying to attempt the pronunciation, the Spanish pronunciation of the title of the podcast, Rolando. I'll just give the English translation. It's the Cardinals tackle, and I think it's fitting since you are a former offensive tackle. Thank you, Craig. Yes, it's La Tacleada Cardinals. And uh, so Luis and I have been talking about this podcast for a while now. Luis came on board last year as a full-time play-by-play for our team, and which did a great job during the season. Obviously, helped us out, kind of settle in, broadcasting every single game from uh, State Farm Stadium. So La Tacleada Cardinals, it aired last week, and uh, it made a little noise in, in the Hispanic market and also uh, south of the border. So uh, we're really excited to kick this off. This will be... Craig and uh, MJ uh, project will probably knock off every other, you know, bye week during the off season and then kind of go into it full speed once the season starts. So X's and O's or, or, or a little bit different trying to increase the fan base as far as the Spanish is concerned. Well, obviously we'll go Cardinal heavy, right? Cause it's La Tacleada Cardinals, but we will talk X's and O's. We'll talk uh, everything that has to do with position battles and training camp. And, and the last 10, 15 minutes of the podcast, will be actually uh, news around the league. So we'll talk about the NFC West and also the most relevant um, storylines during that week that pertain to, uh, to the date. So, yeah, we're talking NFL. We're talking Cardinals. A little bit of everything, but trying to do it just like you guys here on Cover 2. Okay, Rolando, talk about your story to where, you know, the NFL obviously is trying to promote the game internationally, and you got an opportunity to be part of the program, and you came in there, and, and you've been very successful not only on the broadcast, but also when it comes to the uh, um, the Mexican and, and the Spanish crowd and when it comes to endorsements and other stuff. So just talk about when you got in, and what was the biggest uh, difficulty or what was the biggest thing they had to overcome? Well, I think, first of all, for all these international players that are under the IPP program, which we have won this year, Bernhard uh, Sajkovic, I, I think he's going to have to just deal with the culture shock. That's one thing, you know, living in Europe, living in Mexico, and coming to live in the States, that's that's going to hit you in the face regardless of how prepared you are or not. Most players in the IPP program have had, you know, a, a stunt here or there in high school, maybe a junior college or college in the United States, so that's kind of easier for them. For me, it was an easy transaction, uh, easy transition, for to say, because uh, I lived in the border, right? I lived in, in, in McAllen, Texas. I went to school, and then I went back home to Tec de Monterrey in Mexico. So for me, it, it was it was a, it was a perfect fit. But that's gonna hit you, and then the football um, uh, shockwave is gonna hit you because these coaches in rookie camps are not gonna stop, are not gonna put the brakes on to teach you. So that's why it's very important. And the IPP program has done a great job with. Um, with hubbing up with these, you know, these players down in in, um, in Florida, and they actually train them for about eight to ten weeks and kind of give them the vibe mm -hmm. and the and the environment of a professional 
setting, which would be a training camp, a mini camp or so forth. And I think that kind of leads them into the way of, of where we're at right now. We have, we have an international player this year. The NFC West was selected. There's three other players that were also uh, going to, they're also going to go to, to our division. Right. And one of them is Aaron Doniker, linebacker from Germany. He Seahawks, Alfredo Gutierrez, uh, my fellow uh, offensive lineman that played at Monterey tech. He's with the Niners. Max Preacher, who's also an offensive lineman from Italy, he's with the Rams. And then we have Bernhard uh, Sykovic right here with the Cardinals. So these gentlemen competed against 11 players, the best of the world. So it's 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 a great, great scouting um, reel because they go all over the world, guys. They go all over the world, and they bring the best talent available. They invite them. It's invite only. You cannot just show up and say, hey, I want to play football. Some players like Samiz Reyes from Chile, had never put on a helmet and a shoulder pad. So it's going to be tough, right? The first time, obviously, he's an athlete. He pumped out 30 reps on, on the bench press, ran a 4'6", weighed 365, playing tight end. He got completely, like, the the overall grades were incredible that the IPP program said, hey, you, if you someone wants to sign this guy, go right ahead. And the Washington football team took that chance on that young man. He played collegiate basketball here in the state, so – He's an athlete. So I, I think this opportunity, guys, to be honest with you, Craig and MJ, is, is wonderful for, for expansion of, of the brand of the NFL, for the Shield, and obviously for the teams involved. Culture-wise, he mentioned that he had a quarantine before he was going to be able to practice. He didn't have a phone. He was probably going to check out some different food. How's the culture like that, just being new to the States, even though he was in Florida? Well, to be honest with you, it, it starts from, hey, is my is my debit card going to work in the States, right? These guys are so young that they've never lived outside their homes, right? So it, it, it's all that. It's life that hits you. You're on your own for the first time. Obviously, pro personnel calls you and say, hey, I'm going to pick you up at this time. This is your workouts. And then they'll shuttle you back to the to the, to the the uh, hotel. But that that's it, right? So, yeah, you're right. Uh, for most of these guys, they have to be mentally strong. And, and they know what's expected. I think when I entered this program, which before the International Player Pathway, it was called International Practice Squad. And uh, I was the first of the, I was a, one of four guys of the first generation, right? Because it was the NFC West back in 2004. And it was, it was a cold, we would call each other. We're like, dude, are you okay? Have you eaten? Like, are you, are you getting your team meals? Are, is anybody checking up on you? And I think that's important. The program has grown a lot, guys. And, and obviously, with with uh, Steve Kime welcoming uh, this tight end from Austria, uh, you know it just tells you how committed the league and the teams are with um, the development of these guys. And I like what you said earlier, as far as the marketing and trying to expand the brand of the NFL around the world. But it's not just a marketing plan. There's you're a perfect example of this international player pathway program working. 2004 elevated the active roster in 2005. So yes, it's a much longer, much more difficult road, but it is possible. How much pride in your own journey do you take in the fact that you are a success as far as this program is concerned? Well, you know what? I, I took this opportunity to to put my name on it. And, and back in 04, when I was playing with the Berlin Thunder and I started a couple games down the stretch and we won the World Bowl, I knew I had a shot to compete for one of one of the four spots, right? Because back then you had to pull players that were actually playing in one league and then for Europe, which was the developmental league of the NFL here, you have guys playing in independent leagues in Germany. You have guys playing college ball in Mexico. You have guys in Brazil going semi-pro. I mean, it's, if you check out the, the scope, I don't think the NFL, you know, 
could actually man every single league because it would be impossible, right? But then you get that gem out there that's willing to work, that's willing to, you know, to commit to this, and 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 you'll have players who actually go up to the roster. I mean, we've this this program has has developed great guys throughout the years, and and for me, Craig, I think when I came in, it was okay. I want I want to stay focused. I want to learn as much as I can because I knew. I did not play at USC. I knew I didn't play at Oklahoma or Bama. And we had players that were coming fresh out of college, big name guys that were rookie free agents that were drafted by the team that wanted the same spot. So at the end of the day, you are competing. Even though back then when I was here, it was a one-year practice squad deal. These guys have a fully guaranteed three-year practice squad um, deal. Regardless of what happens, they're exempt unless the team in year two kind of says, okay, this guy's ready. Let me elevate him. But once you elevate him to the regular practice squad and he plays and as you guys know another team can come in and snatch him from you so you know that's 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 where you want to be ultimately as the ipp program you want your players to have a high quality performance uh, so other teams can actually put them on rosters when you look at bernhardt i know football's uh, a little known as a different sport how would that help him just with footwork and you know being able to turn on a dime and you know the blocking is something he's gonna have to learn but what about him playing football in his country well it, obviously he's an athlete right he's got the size he's got the metrics to to play and fill the eye it's gonna be interesting to see him how he transitions from his rookie camp into you know, a regular um, mini camp setting OTAs when the veterans get here, you know, when, when we have the the starters there before him on the, t on the tight end position, because it's very important, Mike, that once you get to your tight end room, they accept you. If they accept you and they bring you under their wing, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get that extra help when you want to ask for help. Like, Hey, what do I do in this situation? Max protection. Do I stay inside? Do I look outside? I mean, what do I do? What route do I run? If you have a question, right? So I, I think at the end of the day, that is very important. And and guys usually do cater to a guy that is, in a way is not a direct competition because Bernhardt is not a direct competition right now. Obviously, if he transitioned into this, this beast on the field, well, then he's going to compete for, for reps, right? But right now, I think the veterans are going to look at him like, okay, let me bring him along. Let me develop it. That's what happened to me. Leonard Davis, uh, Cameron Spikes, Reggie Wells, these guys were opening up their, their homes to me, right? And, and their families and their and their arms. And I was just fortunate enough to be surrounded by a great group of guys that wanted to teach me and, and, and help me along the way. And that's already uh, happened. Max Williams reached out to him. So I agree yeah. with you and, and considering he's not familiar in the culture and all that, I got to think, you know, they're obviously going to look after the guy at the end of the day. Of course. And, and, play, and him playing soccer when he was younger, I think will definitely help him out. I mean, he's, he's got the feet for it. Yeah. Um, I never played soccer guys because I got ejected from every single soccer match I ever played in. Uh, so <laughs> I found out early. I found out early football was my thing. American football was my thing. I mean, and I uh, played gold. Red card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, Rolando, or do you plan to personally, not, you know, with the microphone or anything like that or trying to interview, but reach out to Bernhardt and at least – you know, let him know that, yes, this is a great program. I'm sure he already knows, but tell him, tell him your story and then offer up whatever help you could give him. Of course, uh, as, as, as soon as we get clearance to kind of be in front of the players and, you know, it's early summer, I think we'll transition into a regular schedule here sooner than later. Uh, I am going to reach out to him. I'm going to, I'm going to present myself. I introduce myself and, and kind of, um, you know, tell him my story and tell him how he can, 
you know, do it in this organization because the Cardinals are, are really committed to this program. And I think um, he's going to take advantage of this. Because to be honest with you, how many tight ends can we carry during training camp? I mean, not many, right? Six. You've got you've got six right now, and I know there's some people that believe that you know there's there should be another one in there, maybe a veteran. But I do think out of all the positions, you know, tight end and maybe corner. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect from him. I I, mean, I like his measurable six five two sixty two. It is a position though to where you know there might be an option maybe maybe at some point this season. Right. Well, but also he doesn't count against the roster. Exactly. So, the, so that's, he, that's he's where he's go got to be at that position. But the, 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 like you said, he's 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 going to be good. He doesn't have to feel the pressure. Obviously, you know, being in the practice squad has a lot of benefits. You know, insurance. You don't travel, but you're practicing here. You know, so the good news is he's not competing for a roster spot where somebody else is thinking, "Man, I got to beat him out." Exactly, and that's where he gets his three, four reps. You know, uh, yep. practice. That's where he gets you know to play one quarter of football this preseason. And that's what he's got to prepare for. Other than that, I think all these players know the the responsibility and the expectation, right? Because let's yeah. be honest, unless you you go out there and you really wow somebody on day one, it pretend it's like a pro day and it's like, okay, this guy is it. We just found the next, you know, rotation uh, tight end that we can possibly have. Well, then it goes well for him. But if not, you ease your way into it. And, and back in the day, MJ, uh, Coach Dennis Green, God rest his soul, he came up to me the first day. As soon as I got to the training camp, and to Flagstaff, and he's like, can too. learn as much as you can. You know, take it all in, soak it in. I want you to get better every week. I want your weight down. I want to get, I want you to get stronger. And we just started working from there. So it's very similar to all these guys that, that come in through this program uh, for the league. I'll say this about Bernhardt. He is certainly taking the right mindset as far as the physicality. He had the quotes of the offseason, perhaps maybe when he addressed us via Zoom asking about why football, quote, you can do stuff you really can't do in real life. You can hit people. You can just lose your mind, basically. That really excites me. And, I mean, I, you hear Ron Wolfley talk about it all the time. You can get away with stuff on the football field, Orlando, you know this, that you can't do. I mean, you can't go up somewhere that on the street. That sounds to me like a know. hungry man. I think he's going to be – he's going to do it all – um, and yes, you're right. You know, they pay you to have, have that physicality to kind of have that mindset. And I think from his background, just where he's coming from, it, it's something that, you know, football was it, right? If you chose football, you had the opportunity to, to kind of be physical, to kind of maul somebody down. And I think that's what you want. And at the end of the day, this young man has earned every single opportunity along the way up until this point, he's young guys. I think he, if he's in the right situation, which I think I believe he is, and the league does assessments before they ship him out to these um, these teams, uh, they look for the best fit, right? Where is he going to compete? Who is his position coach? What is the offensive uh, scheme? That way, they determine where he can actually, you know, become that starting football player or become a rotational player. Because at the end of the day, the IPP program is designed to put these players in the right spot to actually make the roster. Speaking of physicality, I want to get your thoughts, considering your background as an offensive lineman, on what the Cardinals' offensive line looks like, not only the starters, but the second team, as far as the upgrades that General Manager Steve Kime made with the addition of Rodney Hudson, returning Kelvin Beecham, you add a Brian Winters. This, we heard, 
Kime wants to see his team be more physical on both sides of the ball, but specifically in the offensive line. So you have Kyler Murray with time to throw and a Chase Edmonds, a James Conner rushing lanes to run through because the run game certainly, I think we all in agreement, dipped a little bit late in the season. But it all begins at that line of scrimmage where that ball is hiked. All the movements Steve Kime and his crew have done in my eyes have been to better that protection for Kyler Murray and to actually start moving the ball. At the end of the day, you know DJ Humphreys, whenever he's committed to down blocking and moving that rock, he's going to do it. We've seen him do it year, year after year. And I think when, when you give him that liberty of say, you know what, I don't know, guys, we're going to run the ball 35 times this, this, this game. You know, it, it's maybe something, you know, um, it's a high number, but if you get the right people in, Justin Pugh's in there, Ronnie Hudson, Brian Winters, Hudson and Winters have that mindset of, of you know what, give me the give me the call so I can open up the lane so I can actually produce yards. And we need three, four yards, and we know that if we're consistent in the running game, uh, we'll get lucky at the end of the day. If we, continue, if we commit to the running the ball, at the end of the second or third quarter, we have these, these chunk plays, right, 12-yard gains, 15-yard gains, uh, through the ground. And at the end of the day, that's what you want because that'll take a lot of pressure off of Kyler. At the end of the year, you mentioned it, Craig, the last stretch, the protection was not all there. And and the guys were hurt. The rotation was in and out. I mean, Justin Murray was in there. He was hurt. You know, the guys that were in there were struggling to kind of just put a put a solid offensive line, offensive line in there. And with what we have now, because it's, it's an unofficial depth chart, right? And this is who I got. I got Ronnie Hudson, obviously, at center. Brian Winters, big guard, pulling guard. I think he brings that that toughness, that mental um, aspect to to being tough and kind of just pushing through with him and a veteran of over 10 years at the center position. That right side will be awesome. Kevin Beecham, guys, the day he stepped into this building, I was all on number 68. I saw him in training camp. He was already slapping people around. I love that aspect from him. And on the other side, DJ Humphreys has it solid. We know Max Garcia can maybe make a push. Justin Pugh, let's be let's be honest, great guy, great football player, but he needs to stay on the field in order to produce. So uh, this offensive line that that they've had on paper right now really looks interesting to me. And with the addition of Michael uh, Mennett, a draftee this year, who's going to you know try and soak it in, maybe can compete. The guy was a captain at Penn. The guy has played a lot of college um, football. You won't know his true football status until you put him in there in training camp. And I think this is, this is by far the 16 years I've been a part of this organization um, on paper. These guys look maulers already. I mean, I I'm excited to see where this can go. And obviously these guys know that if they commit and stay healthy and they prep right now in the summer and they give Kyler Murray enough time to create his magic, this will be a fun season for him. And I'll add two other names, MJ, to the mix. Justin Murray and Josh Jones. Jones, the draft pick from a year ago in the third round, who many people believe was a day one pick. And that right guard, I'm in agreement with you, Orlando, as far as right guard, Brian Winters. But MJ, there could be, as far as competition along that offensive line, competition at right guard. Yeah, and I like what you're saying about Winters. Um the thing is, you know, Murray's can be your swing tackle. We talk, we haven't really, t- Craig mentioned it, Josh Jones. He's a guy that can play, you know, maybe four different positions. You know, Kugler mentioned possibly guard. But I, what I want to ask you is because, you know, everyone thinks now that with Rondell Moore, this team's going to try to run four, 
four or five wide receiver sets. And, and I think we learned the hard way in year one, especially that first month of the season. So their, their number one personnel is 11 personnel, then 12 personnel. And I think there's a little bit of shift uh, when it comes to the, the, the offensive staff, when Cougar having more say. Um, I think you can run the four and five wide when you're looking for a two-minute or four-minute drill to get in a field goal range. Mm-hmm. So when you look at this offense, I mean, do you like the 11 and 12 personnel where really you can lean on your big guys? I love it. You know, at the end of the day, we know that that when the time is right and Kyler needs to create space and kind of, you know, create some time in order to scan and, and kind of hit somebody on the go, the offensive line is, is, is your key. Guys, it's – it's and and I, I say it so, so many times on the Spanish broadcast, but it, it's the motor. It's the cylinders that make this thing go right, right? And if these guys learn where their quarterback is at early in training camp, because you have to have a feel where he – in pass protection, you know Kyler is going to favor one side, right? And it's hard as a tackle. DJ Humphreys, the first year they got here, it was like, oh, my God, it's a disaster. These tackles can't block nothing. No. Half the time, Kyler Murray was was going towards the, the, the tackle side, and it was making it easier for the defensive ends and outside linebackers to kind of get them, right? So once you feel where your quarterback is in, I think the protection scheme is is gonna just gonna come together, and, and these guys that you mentioned, Josh Jones, uh, um, to to be uh, precise, this guy competed last year. This guy was, you know, considered uh, a high end backup at certain points in the season, and I think we've we've just kind of we we've under the radar. We've talked about you know, hey, the free agents that came in Hudson and Winters, but this guy is hungry. This guy was a starter for many years at the University of Houston. This guy came in with a chip in his shoulder, which if Kugler said, I'm going to try him at guard, watch out because somebody's going to have to share the reps in training camp. And that's what you want. At the end of the day, going into to the personnels um, you know, that you want to run, for uh, se, you have to have the body type. You have to have the style. And, and most guys that, that are on the roster right now for the Cardinals, these guys are maulers. These guys can flip the switch and – but you have to have that balance, right? You have to know exactly when to down block, when to open up the running lanes, when to kind of, you know, combo blocks up and 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 dominate that aspect. Because if you don't move anybody on the line of scrimmage, it's yeah. going to be tough. Coaches always said, hey, as long as you move them laterally, you're good. Not in this scheme. This scheme, you have to put your hand on the ground. You have to put your helmet um, in, in, their, in, their, in their face and kind of go from there. But uh, I do see that balance kind of, jumping out this year mike because there's these guys that that have played for a while they're going to protect kyler they're going to protect kyler and when it comes down to first and second down and when we have that rotation constantly with connor and chase edmonds and just kind of whoever else is going to be in the backfield i think this can work well if it is josh jones at right guard you're talking about six seven three ten that is certainly a, a lot of beef there at that position but to your point he did get some experience last year mainly as a sixth offensive lineman so we'll see what happens in 2021 rolando uh, certainly appreciate the time one more time let's let's promote it again i'm not going to uh, embarrass myself with the spanish uh, pronunciation <laughs> but it's the cardinals tackle launched a new Spanish language podcast with yourself and Luis Hernandez. And this is going to come out bi-weekly during the off season and then weekly once the season begins, correct? Correct. Guys, look for La Teclada Cardinals. We are on all Spotify, Apple, all the major platforms out there. Also on azcardinals.com under podcast. 
Uh, again, guys, it's always great talking to you. I look forward to seeing your faces in the office soon. And hopefully we can do this in person next time. That would be nice. And I think we are getting closer and closer to that moment. Rolando, thanks again. MJ, he's got great insight. We need to tap into that more often. Yeah, he, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, uh, has been around the game a long time. Um, you know, he's a guy that also is, works on the same floor as we do. And now that they've unveiled the, uh, the podcast and, you know, he's always good when it comes to just breaking down certain positions and what it's going to be like for Bernard Sykovitz, um and how, he, how it's going to affect him just, you know, kind of learning on the fly. So, no, he's a wealth of knowledge and I always enjoy the list. Uh, it's always enjoyable to listen to him. Also, it needs to be mentioned, he's the team's manager of international business ventures. He's very, very big into that and very important aspect, not just for the Cardinals, but the entire league as well. So we'll hopefully, you know, hit up Rolando every so often because anytime you get a former player's perspective, I think it's something that the Bird Gang, at least I do personally like to hear it because it does offer a different perspective. And sometimes it will lend your eyes to something else, whether you're watching practice or game. And that's the beauty of doing the Red Sea Report with Birch and Barry. And I enjoy, I enjoy doing the show with them when we were at Bonneville because, you know, I, I, I see something, but, you know, a guy's been in the trenches. He knows a lot more than me. So they, they bring a lot more to the table. Not many people can say they have more knowledge of football than you, MJ, but uh, I get what you're saying. I mean, you don't have the on-field, in-the-trenches knowledge. Right. More, more of just a passion for covering the <laughs> NFL. All right, let's finish with this. We have not heard from Kyler Murray since Super Bowl week. There was that appearance on the NFL Network ahead of the draft, but he's I think he's largely remained silent, which I don't think is a big deal. Others perhaps want to see and know what the starting quarterback is doing in the offseason. Well, we have an update. Kyler posted a video on his Instagram account of him throwing a pass to A.J. Green. Again, I don't see a need or I don't need to see players working out to know they're working out, but I did appreciate that short clip. And it's one of those things where, you know, AJ greens, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a new guy. I'm sure, you know, um, the offense that Zach Taylor ran is kind of similar to Sean McVay, maybe a little bit of hybrid of Kyle Shanahan and then Cliff Kingsbury. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, the more work they get in that, that they couldn't do that last year. And then, you know, a handful of guys went up there for three days, but you know, you got to do it more than that. And the fact that hopefully they'll have 10 OTAs and they'll have a mandatory mini camp, uh, veterans and the entire team. And, and that that's where you can put the work in. And then hopefully those, you know, cause really they'll be off from the uh, middle of June or maybe the third week in June until probably the end of July. And you got to think maybe a couple weeks before this, uh, the training camp starts, maybe they get out there and get some work in. All the receivers, Hopkins, you know, uh, the new guys, uh, obviously Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, listen, I don't need to see videos, but I like the fact that they did have a corner on A.J. Green. It was in Texas, so he, he clearly wants to get on the same page with the quarterback, and I'm never going to begrudge a guy for that. Well, if you're smart as far as a wide receiver or if you're – how you play or how successful you are is predicated on someone else. In this case, someone throwing you the football. Yeah, you want to be on page one right away. But go back to what A.J. Green said 
in March when he signed with the Cardinals as a free agent. Said he liked how Kyler Murray was able to create with the football. I mean, he's watched from afar. I mean, there's no interaction between Cardinals and Bengals. So you're watching tape, you're watching highlights. But there was this conversation, remember, when he spoke about Marvin Lewis, his coach with Cincinnati now at ASU, quote, talking about Kyler Murray, this was Marvin Lewis, quote, he can sling it, AJ. You're going to be very happy, end quotes. And I think that does mean a lot coming from Marvin Lewis, who, again, a lot of experience at the NFL level now doing his thing on the college front. But, you know, you're looking for information. And A.J. Green at that time was looking to figure out where he might fit best. And he felt that that was with the Arizona Cardinals. And I definitely think, you know, he's hitting the reset button like J.J. Watt is. Um, you know, Rodney Hudson obviously probably didn't like the way things were handled, but he's he's happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a situation where um, I think, you know, A.J. Green is being overshadowed now by Rondell Moore. Uh, A.J. Green, when we look at it, yes, I mean, he's not the same guy, but I still think he can run routes. He's He, he could be he, your outside receiver, have somebody in the slot, whether it's Kirk or, or Rondell Moore, and then have Hop on the outside, move him around. He's good on the comeback routes. He's good on the 50-50 balls. So, I mean... I don't know if he's going to catch 40 passes, 45 passes, but, you know, he's, I mean, I, I get it. You know, even Isaiah Simmons, we're not talking about him as much as more as Avian Collins, just because now we're, we're so raw where they were drafted. But I, I think if I had to pick a sleeper, a guy that maybe will put up more numbers than we think, I may go with A.J. Green. It's funny because as you were talking, you're absolutely right. We talk about in the moments, and in the moment right now, it's the draft picks. Avon Collins, Rondell Moore, back in March, it was all about free agency and what they can do when we were very high on A.J. Green. All of a sudden, he's kind of taking a back seat. But to your point about being a quote-unquote sleeper, you know, that's a seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time second-team All-Pro, but I do think he might be in the shadow, if you will, for the first time in his career. And I think he might relish that, not be the focal points. Yes, everyone loves the spotlight and to get their numbers, but I think opposing defenses are going to look at DeAndre Hopkins first, maybe even second, and maybe even third, before they get to an A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and the rest of the wide receivers. And that's no slide on A.J. Green. It's just how good Hopkins is to make sure you take away the strength of the Cardinals' offense within the wide receiver room, and that strength is D-Hop. Yeah, and depending on who's in the slot, uh, sometimes that could be the number two corner. Um, so he may draw the third corner. And, and all those numbers you, you uh, rattled off, that was like two or three years ago. So that's why I use the word sleeper. I mean, he's a household name. Uh, you know, you're right. He, he's always been the guy. He was drafted fourth overall that year. Patrick went fifth to the Cardinals. But here, I mean, not that he's going to take a, a, a second role to anybody, but it's, it's obvious that Hopkins is your number one target. But I, I just think, you know, if, if teams are going to say, oh, he's not the same guy, he doesn't run the same routes, I think they're making a mistake. Well, a lot of it with him, and this goes with a lot of players, stay healthy. And A.J. Yes. Green over the last five seasons has missed 29 total games, and See? that is what people are always going to point to. Yeah. yeah, he's great, but he did this, but he can do this if. So that's going to be the little asterisk that people are going to point to when talking about the offense with A.J. Green at your other outside receiver spot. The only thing I'll say, though, 
Watt played all 16 games last year. A.J. Green played all 16 games, and he went through three different quarterbacks. Yes, the frustration was there late in the year um, because, he, you know, I mean, Joe Burrow looked like he, he passed the eye test. Um, you know, they had issues with the offensive line, which led to Burrow suffering ACL. And, you know, they had Taj Boyd. I think that Joe Mixon's a good running back, but clearly teams were just saying we're going to bracket him. We're not going to let him get the ball. And then he got frustrated with three different quarterbacks from Brandon Allen to Ryan Finley. So I just feel like him and J.J. Watt, they're just hitting the reset button on their career. And and the fact that they're going to practice on grass, play at least eight, nine games on, on you know, natural grass, uh, they're practicing the bubble, they'll be outside. So that's going to be good for the body when they wake up uh, during the season at six or seven in the morning, and they feel like, you know, I don't have to shovel snow or start my car 20 minutes before I want to leave. And I know we talk about, you know, seeing Kyler Murray working out. I do think it's also good for us to see A.J. Green, even at the age of 32, close to be 33, that, you know, he could take not time off or, you know, ease into the regular season, but he's putting in the work as one. Well. I think that's encouraging as well to see. Again, I don't need to see it, but if it's out there, that's great. But these guys, all these players are working hard. You have to work hard in the offseason. You can't just show up at training camp day one and work your way into shape. Those days are gone. You have to be in shape the start of training camp a lot of the times and then work your way into game shape week one. Yeah, Kyler is always, I mean, last year we noticed his, his arms look like Popeye. Um, he's always had really thick thighs, um, his lower extremities, obviously he's, he's able to push the ball down the field. He's able to stop on a dime and change direction. So I, I've never questioned that. It's just more getting with the receivers and then diving into the playbook and, and trying to figure out, you know, watch watch the defenses you're going to play this year. Maybe you take the first four, watch them and be able to see what they're doing. Obviously, you know, if they got new players and new coordinators, it's going to be a little bit different, but being able to read defenses, and, and I'm okay with it if he wants to throw a hop, but you got to go through your progressions. And with a guy like Rondell Moore, he could be your quick check down, you know, you're in your flat, like one progression, look over the middle of the field, third third option, boom. So, again, he works out and, and because I think he realizes the rigorous of playing all 16 games. You have to put the work in the offseason. You can't do it during the season because I'm – he lives during the season, but I can't assume it's just like what he's doing right now. Anxious to see how it all looks and plays out on the field. And again, Bird Gang season and single game tickets are available. azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. All right, MJ, if you run into the general manager before I do, uh, just let him know, don't, you know, I'm not taking it personally. Just, you know, I, I might be a little scared of uh, Kyle around the facility <laughs> these days. It's just, I don't well, know. I just want to know, he, he, he said, put that on camera. And who was he pointing to? Because there's only a certain amount of guys that can be in there. And maybe he was looking at the media saying, take that. <laughs> on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.